RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. It is episode number 207. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and we are joined by almost the entire crew of uh, Misfits this week. Justin Watson, my co-host, joins me along with your 170-pound professional champion, Greg Hopkins, and the 205 champ, Torres Finney. Jeff Hobbs tending to a graduation this evening as he uh, shepherds the young minds of America into adulthood. Uh, Justin, how's it going, my man? We've got a, an action-packed show, lots of interviews today. Uh, how, how are you? Yeah, man, it's pretty scary to think about uh, Hobbs uh, bringing the future in like that. I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's getting hot outside. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Greg Hopkins uh, joins us as well. You've got some news for us, Greg. Of course, some good news. If people haven't, uh, don't follow you on social media. Uh, you got some, uh, you know, better news than expected from uh, the docs this week. Yeah, I got some news yesterday on my MRI saying that uh, I don't have a complete tear on my fibula. I'm trying to remember what they said. Uh, fibula lateral, collateral lateral ligament, whatever it was, LCL. And uh, and just some inflammation all around my old knee, looking like I might be uh, three to six months at the at the most. But uh, I seem, you know, everybody seems to think it'll be, you know, maybe three months at the most. I'm cool with that too. So uh, I can get back in there, hopefully, uh, you know, before the before the year's over with. And then finally, of course, Torres Finney on the line, your 205-pound champion, getting ready to defend that strap. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But for now, coming back from the beaches of, uh, of South Beach on a little bit of uh, a little rest and relaxation. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got a little vacation in. Had to get some. I was in a long camp uh, getting ready for that uh, fight um, in Chattanooga. Well, we're getting ready for that fight in Chattanooga. But now, now. I'm back in the training camp. Um, just got done uh, working out training. Been doing it uh, started Monday, so um, actually started Sunday when I came back. So I'm excited, man, and I can't wait to defend this title and steal. So let's go. All right. So, of course, we're back to our eight rounds format here this evening with no fight preview ahead of us. Now, next week, of course, it's a big one. Uh, Valor 83 going down and we've got uh, some interviews for you guys tonight uh, with the first three rounds uh, going to uh, get to know some of the faces you're going to see next weekend at Valor 83. It goes down from the world famous Scott Night Joe. That is uh, going to be Friday, June 4th. And uh, you can get your tickets at FighterTicksWithAnX.com. Our first round, let's go to Tim S. Truth, who's joining us right now uh, up in Michigan, getting ready to make the trip down here to Tennessee, uh, representing that Scorpion uh, fighting up there with uh, with uh, James David Gray, a very good coach. Uh, Tim, you're, uh, uh, I appreciate you joining us tonight. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your training regimen to join us a little bit. I know we're a week out from the fight. Uh, you're going to be taking on Dre Miley, a guy that we know very well down this way, as he's t- fought a lot for Valor. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're coming off of a big win, uh, you know, not uh, not long ago, uh, just a, a month or so back, as uh, you, you went down to Georgia and knocked off the undefeated Cole Farrell. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're I'll tell you, Tim, you are uh, probably uh, the envy of many a uh, bantamweight fighter down here in the south. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, it was pretty cool getting that. I mean, I was quite shocked that, you know, he asked me to fight him. And then even for how it all turned out, I mean, it was pretty badass. Um, and then I know a lot of people didn't like him. Um, I thought he was a cool kid. I didn't have an issue with him, but apparently all you guys do not like him. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's very polarizing. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you went down there, you, you, you KO'd Cole real fast, man. Uh, you know, if you if you're from the outside looking in, uh, you know, as, as we went into that fight, I was just kind of watching it from afar. And I was like, man, I think Estrue's got a real real live here to upset Cole, uh, just mainly because of your experience. And, you know, you've been in there with tough guys already. It's not like this was your first step up, if you will. Uh, but I would say that if I was a gambling man and I am, I would have been on uh, a possible submission given your uh, grappling acumen, but you went up there and you knocked him out. Uh, just talk a little bit about, about uh, as much as you can about uh, the, what happened, man. There was only, it was only uh, less than 20 seconds, if I can recall. 14 seconds. <laughs> yeah. um, so the game plan was way different than uh, any other game plan. Normally, the, for the past, I don't know, 10 years that I've been fighting, the game plan is, like you said, to sub him. You know, get close grapple and then sub you know because like i said i have a uh, long history of jujitsu and stuff where i've even beat big name people like you know i've uh, sub darren kershank uh, who's fought in the ufc and i actually when i uh, fought him uh in a jiu-jitsu tournament i went up three weight classes oh wow i weighed i weighed in at 147 and he was like 175 176 and i subbed him in 45 seconds oh yeah man kershank's a beast Oh yeah, he's a he's a stud, you know. But uh, so, you know, for this fight, it was you know James and I talked about it, and it was like, let's showcase my hands. I've never really sat down and showed off that I got hands. Everybody knows me as a grappler, so it's like, let's show my hands. You nice know? man. So, because I've been uh, for the past three years, I've been training with Max Ivanov, who's. Uh, twenty-seven and zero as professional kickboxer, and he also got coach of the year twice in Russia. Oh wow! Yeah, man, it sounds like you're getting some some real good work up there. Oh yeah, so that's been the thing. So when I got there with Cole, I think his thoughts were the same thing that I was just going to grapple with him, and that was not the case. I wanted to play with my hands. <laughs> oh. Well, it's, well, you know, going into that fight, you know, I think there was a lot of. Uh, I guess a narrative, if you will, that this was a, a bit of a like a retirement fight for you, you know, like uh, like you're like, you know, one last hurrah or whatever. But, uh, you know, you, you got out of there quick. No damage. Uh, does that have a lot to do with you, uh, you know, making a fairly quick turnaround after being on the, you know, on the sidelines for a little bit? Yeah, well, here in Michigan, there's nothing going on. So, uh, you know, I haven't fought in almost a year and a half because of all the COVID and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it was like, all right. Am, am I done fighting? Is this really it? And, you know, the Cole thing was a huge test. Should I be done? And after that, it's like, you know what? I still got some fight left in me. I'm going to still do this. I'm going to fight for as long as I can. I'll be the Brett Favre for Tom Brady 
of MMA. <laughs> Hey, I can dig it, man. I can dig it. Now, uh, let's, let's turn our attention a little bit to next week. It's uh, it's a big card. Uh, Ten pro fights on the card. You're, you're up there in the feature bout. You're taking on uh, Dre Miley, uh, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, Dre is uh, coming off of a loss, actually, in a very close, hard-fought battle against Jose Johnson, who's actually, like, by way of – he was from Texas, but, like, by way of Michigan. So I'm assuming maybe you're – you know – uh, Jose Johnson, maybe, but they had they had a really uh, a really grueling fight over three rounds, and uh, Drake came up on the short end of that one. But I thought he showed you know he could hang in there with, with that level. Talk a little bit about uh, the matchup with Dre, and you know kind of what uh, we can expect uh, from this one. Well, uh, obviously, uh, I'm never going to uh, let him like have a chance. I mean, I, I can't ever sit there and say, oh. You know, I'm just going to slaughter him because that's not the case with MMA. Because you never know when you got to take each person seriously. And I've had, I've had humble pie served to me, and I hate the way it tastes. So I got to take them serious. Uh, now, I mean, there is a little bit of a difference between me and Jose. Uh, I didn't get to see that fight because there's not really much Andre, so I can't really watch it. But with me and Jose, because he was from Michigan, Jose's not known for grappling. Yeah, definitely a striker. Yeah, so I don't know how the fight went, if it was all striking or if it was with grappling, and that's where Jose's world isn't, like I said, isn't the same as mine, where I can sit there and I'll grapple all day, and that changes that. So I I guess we'll find out with Dre how it's going to turn out. But, yeah, I know I plan on going out there and showing my stuff and walking out with the win. Nice, man. I like it. I like it. Uh, well, you know, let's talk about the training camp, uh, you know, uh, as we uh, kind of finish this thing up. What, uh, you know, what, what's it been like uh, for, for this training camp? Uh, it seems like things are starting to open up a little bit more. Uh, you know, down here, we're, we're, we're wide the fuck open, man. We're, we, just, we, we just do it. But, you know, up in Michigan, I know things are a little tighter. Uh, has uh, the training uh, situation kind of opened up for you guys up there? And, and talk a little bit about some of the people helping you get ready for this thing. Well, like I said, uh, you know, I'm with, uh, I, I drive down to Brighton, which is an hour and a half uh, drive from my house. And then uh, I drive down to Troy, which is a two hour drive. And I go to there like four or five days out of the week. And then plus I teach martial arts and train up in where I'm from. So I'm training seven days out of the week. And nice. I'm doing a lot of double, triple days on some of them. And it's, I have not been out of fight camp in almost two years. Oh, wow. Um, yes. I'm, always, I'm always, I want to be ready for it. Cause I, I tell my students, you never know when you're going to get that opportunity. And I want to be ready. I don't want to be, Oh, I took some time off. And then you get that call and I'm out of shape. I'm not ready to fight. You know, that's like the, the, uh, the call fight was a prime example of that. Yeah. Yeah. You took that super I, short notice. Yeah. It was 10 days notice. And like I said, I think Cole was thinking that he was going to do what he's done to everybody and just walk through everybody because most of his guys that he's fought, he's never fought anybody that had a good record. So when he came with me, he was probably thinking the same thing. But like I said, I've been in fight camp since, you know, you know, I'm, I'm always training every day, every day. I mean, I don't, it's oxygen to me. If I'm not training, I get mad. I get really frustrated. It's almost like I'm on a man period. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't really get to get that all out the last time, I'd say. So uh, there's still a little bit pent up. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, that's like it's the only thing that was really helping, you know, keeping me semi-satisfied without fighting is I've been doing jiu-jitsu tournaments and 
that was kind of helping the itch, but it's not the same as MMA. You know, when you're getting that crowd cheering and, you know, when you're knocking somebody out or you're hitting somebody, smashing somebody, it's not the same adrenaline rush. And I was really missing that rush. Yeah, no doubt. I can see it, man. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, before we before we let you go, I want to let you give some shout outs where they're due. Any parting words you got? Uh, and, uh, you know, if you've got any uh, uh, friends, family, sponsors, training partners you want to give some love to, I'll let you have it. Yeah. So I want to thank James Gray for, you know, he's my head coach for all that he's done for me and opening up all these doors without him. I wouldn't be here. So I really appreciate him. Uh, that he's just a phenomenal dude. Uh, you know, for Max Ivanov for all the like striking that he's been doing with me. And, you know, I've been with him for the past three years and it's finally paying off where it's like, this is amazing. Uh, I want uh, Heidi Miller for one of my sponsors who helps me uh, and makes food for me. She gives me money to, so I can do everything that I do uh, uh, for uh, Body Works by Celine, who does, is my massage therapist, uh, Adam Whitbrow, who's my strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and then with uh, Carla uh, Jawiski, I, she's my fashion designer, I should say. So she's one of my other sponsors who does my clothes. And then I, you know, my family, you know, without them, I wouldn't be able to do this because, you know, my wife can say, no, I don't want you doing this. My kids could be like, no dad, you know, how, you know, how could you be so selfish and be training as much as you do, but they allow me to do it. They understand it. They're cool with it. They plan on fighting. And I appreciate that. And most of all, I thank God for giving me the opportunities that I have because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have these. So, and then my edge family, uh, for the, where I teach and train at up here in Midland. Once again, this has been Tim Estruth getting ready to come down to Tennessee and put on a show for the fans at Valor 83. It goes down next Friday night for the world famous Scott night, Joe, June the 4th. Uh, you get your tickets at fighter ticks the next.com, or if you can't be there in person, you can catch pay-per-view at bfcmma.com. Hey, we appreciate the time, Tim, uh, best of luck next weekend. We're really looking forward to it. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. All right. Thanks so much to uh, to our guest, Tim S. Truth, kicking us off with round number one. Again, he'll be fighting Dre Miley next week. That brings us into round number two. And that's yet another uh, new face that we're going to be seeing for the first time in the Valor Cage. And that is Robbie Ring joining us now ahead of his Valor debut. He's already won an O as a pro, but uh, makes his first step into the Valor Cage next week at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe Valor 83. That is on June the 4th. Robbie, how's it going, my man? I'm doing well, Tim. How about you? Hey, I'm doing good, man, and I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us here this evening. I know this is uh, likely your uh, quote-unquote hell week uh, training uh, as you get ready for that final push as uh, uh, you get ready to, to make the trip down in, uh, to Tennessee, down in Knoxville next week. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm excited. I'm stoked for it. So, uh, you know, of course, uh, we're, we're really excited to uh, been following your career since you were an amateur and uh, super excited to have you uh, on the Valor roster here now as you're ready to, to take your your first step uh, into the cage in front of our fans next week. You're going to be taking on Drew Henry, who uh, is also making his Valor debut. Actually, I'm familiar with Drew, but he's competed on cards uh, for the Primal Combat promotion that Tyler Edwards runs, but I do the matchmaking for it, so I know Drew. But this is the first time that he has fought for Valor as well, coming all the way from the Big Island of Hawaii. Uh, let's talk about it a little bit, man. Uh, you know, is uh, you know, what, what do you expect to face in Drew Henry next week? And, uh, you know, what did the Valor, more, more importantly, like what can the Valor fans expect to see out of you? This is the first time we've seen you in our cage. So, uh, you know, if, if they don't know Robbie Ring, uh, what can they expect? Well, I am a 
I'm a third generation fighter coming from Southwest Virginia, and I've I've been training all my life. My father, he's a, a lifelong martial artist, and so is my mom. Um, I, I like to classify myself as a well-rounded fighter with a black belt in ring combat jujitsu, and I, I just I train hard. I, I sell tickets to my fans. And I come into the cage and I fight hard, and um, I, I just I just love to get in there and compete. Uh, you know, every single day I wake up in the morning just excited to train, excited to better myself. And about my opponent Drew Henry, I've I've watched a couple of his uh, fights that I guess that he had uh, when he was living in Hawaii. Um, uh-huh. He seems like he seems like he's a pretty pretty tough competitor. Um, comes out there and swings heavy, has some pretty heavy hands. Uh, nothing that I, I haven't seen before. I fought a lot of amateur fights, uh, but I, I'm just excited to get in there and test my skills against him. You know, I'm not one to badmouth my opponent. I take every opponent that I have very seriously and, and respect him. Now, Robbie, you uh, you definitely uh, speak beyond your years as far as uh, just the, the maturity level. I can I can already just tell I'm, I'm talking to a very polished guy. Now, how old how old are you? Are you 18, 19? How, how old are you now? I, I am 20 years old. Oh, you're 20 now. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. I, I turned pro right when I right when I turned 20, but I'm getting ready to uh, have my 21st birthday next month. Oh wow! Okay. Well, you'll be you'll be at the Cotton Eye Joe just a hair early to uh, partake <laughs> uh, in in the uh, celebrations afterward. I guess maybe next time because I know we'll be seeing you again. So. Yes, sir. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, talk a little bit about your amateur career. Like you mentioned, you, you had several fights as an amateur. Uh, you know, you started at a young age. You were, you were doing MMA fights before you, you were even 18 years old. So uh, you're already pretty well, uh, you know, versed as far as, you know, getting in there, being in the heat, taking tough fights. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about your amateur career and how you feel like that prepared you for this pro step. Because, hey, let's face it, 20 years old, uh, that's, a, that's a young young age to be going pro but it's not like you're not seasoned already. So it's really great because you have the ability at this young age to take things slow, to kind of, uh, you know, groom yourself until you hit the prime of your, of your life and already have uh, the table set, if you will. It's really a, an enviable spot. Yes, sir. I, I, was, I was very blessed, uh, actually, before I turned 18. Um, see, Virginia was kind of known as the wild, wild west of MMA for a long time. You know, sure. we didn't really even have a sanctioning body here until, you know, 2017. So, you know, I, I fought in a lot of, uh, they were called expo fights, where I actually got to get in there and fight full MMA you know, as a 16-year-old. Um, I actually had my first MMA fight at 15, and I ended up having seven of those fights before I even turned the age of 18. Um, and then after I turned 18, it was just fight after fight after fight, trying to get that experience because I've always had that long-term goal of becoming a professional fighter and, and taking this as far as I can. So I always wanted to get in there and test myself. I ended up having seven amateur MMA fights, uh, won three championships as an amateur. And then I decided, uh, after talking to my coaches that it was time to make the leap and I fought my first pro fight in January. So, uh, you know, one other advantage that you have kind of coming from Virginia is that they are more liberal with their amateur rules in that you can pretty much do full pro rules as an amateur, right? So you, it's not the first time that you're throwing elbows and, and, and the like. 
No, sir. We, you know, that that is one advantage that we had fighting in Virginia. And sometimes it could be a little bit ugly as an amateur, but, you know, guys was uh, in Virginia, they were throwing elbows as amateurs. I know some people, some people think that it's a, it's a good rule that they have to get the fighters season to them. Some people think it's a bad one, but I feel like it does play to my advantage as far as I've been in the cage. I've been hit with elbows and I've thrown some myself. In my opinion, I think that um, I don't think that it's as big a deal if you've got guys that are on the career path to becoming pros and they're taking it seriously and it it really uh, kind of uh, preps them to to use them as pros. I think maybe there should be, I don't know, some sort of regulation. I don't know how you would really enforce it, but, you know, the the guys that aren't so serious about it, I feel like, are the ones where you would get people uh, potentially hurt as amateurs. What's your opinion there? Oh, yes, I, I, I agree with that 100%. And there's actually been times, uh, my mom runs a promotion, Titans of the Cage, and hopefully it can make its comeback since uh, COVID shut our whole state down. So we're getting ready to open back up. But there's been times that there's been really green 18-year-olds get in there and fight, and they both agreed not to throw elbows. Yeah, I think that it should be something agreed on be uh with the fighters and their coaches on whether they throw them or not. Or maybe you have a minimum amount of fights before you can, uh, you know, like you got to have three or five fights and then, uh, then you're, you're able to kind of open up a little bit. That's kind of how it is with our, uh, with our amateurs down here, as far as wearing headgear, uh, for, for the kickboxing and both, you know, the guys have some experience. We can, we can lose the headgear. We can even lose the shin pads, but you know, first time guys, we try to, Try to take some precautions to protect them from themselves, if you will. And, and and you don't want them to get discouraged. Of course, you know one elbow, one elbow that cuts them open might not make them want to fight anymore. And you don't want to discourage those new guys. There's what they keep the sport rolling for. You're right. You're right. So, uh, you know, uh, would, for the fans out there that haven't seen you before, obviously, I'd say you're a well-rounded fighter. But would you classify yourself more of a more of a striker, more a grappler, or like just truly an MMA fighter? Um, I, I, I really just love all aspects of fighting. I, I enjoy stand, I enjoy stand up. I had, uh, I had a few knockouts on my amateur record. I've had a few submissions on my amateur record and I, you know, I, I can't really choose one. I, I love them both. I'm very confident in my family system of jujitsu though. So I would consider that, uh, my jujitsu game is my, my base, my root. But like I said, I just enjoy all of it. I enjoy fighting in general. Very nice, man. One last question before we wrap this thing up. You know, obviously your parents are super supportive of your career, uh, you know, lifelong martial artist as well. Does that put any extra pressure on you to to kind of live up to their expectations for you, which I'm sure are high? Uh, Is there any extra pressure there or is this something where it's like, look, I know I've just got the you know 100 percent backing from my parents to really pursue this thing and go as far as i can um my mom and dad they've always told me you know they i'm sure that they both wanted me to be involved in martial arts you know considering that they are both uh lifelong martial artists but they've always told me ever since i was a little boy that you know if i wanted to branch off and do something else uh, that I could do that, you know, my mom and dad never forced me to train. This is something that I've always wanted to do. I've always had that, that long-term goal, like I was talking about. 
and I'm very self-motivated to go out there and achieve that goal. Um, my parents, they are, they're, they are very supportive of me. They don't really put any pressure on me. They kind of take the pressure off in, in some aspects. Um, but they're good to have. I, I can't ask. You know, it's great to have my parents as my coaches and they're on my team. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'd say uh, people, a lot of guys would uh, would love to have uh, that same level of support. So you're very lucky for sure. Uh, and uh, before we wrap this up, I want to let you give some uh, shout outs where they're due. Uh, any uh, friends, sponsors, training partners, uh, anybody that's helping you got, you know, get ready for this stuff. Uh, you know, give them a shout out and uh, I'll let you uh, have the floor, man. Dude, Give them some love. All right. Thank you. Uh, first, I just want to. Uh, give the biggest shout out to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for Him, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the athleticism that I was blessed with today, and the ability to go out there and train as hard as I can every day. Um, shout out to my team, Ring Combat Sports. Everybody that's a member there, everybody that's helped me, and um, my mom and my dad, and uh, just a few of my sponsors. I'd like to give a big shout out to Varney Construction and A1 Storage, uh, the Lunch Bucket, Boots Racing Engines, Hickory House, Pioneer Collision, Patty's Kitchen, New River General Store, Full Contact Detailing, and Sawyer's 24-7 Roadside Service. Thank you to you all, you know, for supporting me and uh, giving me the opportunity to train full-time and really pursue, pursue this dream of mine. And and thank you to you, Sam, for having me on Valor. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm ecstatic to be fighting for, for you guys, and hopefully I can come to Knoxville and make a few fans after they see me fight. Hey, I have no doubt that you will, man. The pleasure's mine. I'm, I'm really excited uh, to, to have you uh, on the roster now. And uh, before I let you go, uh, let our listeners know where they can follow your social media so uh, you, can, you can build that up. Okay, yeah, on Facebook, if you look up Razor Robbie Ring, my, my athlete page will pop up. Or if you want to friend request my personal page, I don't, I don't decline too many people. So you could send me one. And on uh, Instagram, you can follow me at Razor Rob MMA, or check out my YouTube at Robbie Ring MMA. I'm on all three of those platforms. This has been Rising Prospect Robbie Ring. You can see him next week. June the 4th from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe on Valor 83. Uh, get your tickets at fighterticketswithanx.com. If you're coming to see Robbie, make sure you select his name from the menu so he gets credit. And then if you can't be there live, of course, you can watch it on pay-per-view at vfcmma.com. Thanks so much for the time, Robbie. Really looking forward to next week. Thank you, Tim. I look forward to seeing it. All right. Thanks so much to guest number two, Robbie Ring, for uh, joining us ahead of his Valor debut next week. Let's round off our trio of interviews this week. Round number three, it's Nasty Nate Williams joining us, getting ready to challenge for that Valor professional 155 strap in the main event next week. Nate, what's happening, my man? Well, good. What's happening? Glad to be on here at the Valor Hour. I've listened to many episodes. Um, and I'm just glad to be, you know, back on here, back to get, getting ready to grace the Valor Cage once again. It's been about two, three years, so it's about time. Well, hey, man, the Valor Cage has been good to you. 2-0 and o, uh, in that bad boy as you uh, uh, come back for the third time in uh, in your biggest fight uh, to date with this main event, uh, taking on the champ, Bosnian Barncat, Demir Fratbegovic. And this is a fight that, uh, man, we're all super excited for. I know uh, a lot of people in the Southeast region uh, are, are definitely tuned into this one. As, uh, in my opinion, uh, the winner here, uh, that's, that's kind of that, like, 
that quality win that you're looking for to uh, to yeah. kind of uh, sign off on your resume for the big boys. Yeah, for sure. Like I was saying uh, earlier in the interview, or I did it earlier, his only two losses are to guys who are currently in the UFC. So, I mean, he's fought, in my opinion, some of the who's who in the Southeast. You know what I'm saying? Even though he only has six fights, he's his experience and the guys he's fought, he hasn't fought any cans. He hasn't, he's, he's got it out the mud with those six fights. So, um, Demir is a very tough opponent. Um, I mean, I, it actually incites me. He's, I, I consider him probably my toughest opponent to date, depending on all the guys I fought. Um, so this, this one really excites me, man. I'm excited to go out here and really show why I'm a step above the buckle level. Um, and why I'm ready uh, for that call. Hey, man, I love it. I love it. Now, you know, not to downplay yourself, you know, you're you know, you're also a very tough fight for him. You guys are both. uh, I think you rank right up there with, uh, you know, the guys that have been able to knock him off uh, because, you know, my opinion, you're you're right there ready for for that next level as well. Uh, Bellator, UFC, whatever it is, I I think that you hang with those guys. Uh, You know, this being a five round uh, title fight, have you have you had the opportunity to go five rounds yet in your career? Is that have I? Yeah. uh, yeah, that happened already. I fought for the I fought for the A64 45 belt, and that fight uh, was five rounds. I, um, I I mean I can go into a long story about that fight. Basically, shouldn't took the fight, but I got I got beat up for four and a half rounds. So <laughs> I know that I can, if anything, I can take a a, a, a ass kicking for five rounds. If you know, but I definitely don't plan on that being what's going to go down next weekend. But like I said, yeah, I, that fight, I got my ass whooped for five rounds straight. And I was still in there in the fifth round throwing throwing blows, coming straight at him. So I know I'll, I'll be there ready to go for five rounds. I've been training for five rounds uh, for forever because I never want to be tired in a three-round fight. So in order to never get tired in a three-round fight, you must train as if you're fighting a five-round fight. So, And I know I that's got to be nice to Got to be nice to know that you can go those 25 long minutes. Uh, you know, that is one advantage you've got over him and that he hasn't had to do that yet. So uh, it, does that play into uh, any of the strategy here, man? Uh, you know, maybe drag him into deeper waters that he hasn't seen before that you know that you can swim. Yeah, um, I mean, I base my game off of cardio. Um, I like to – I love the way Chael Sonnen uses it in his podcast about weaponizing pace. Um, and that's exactly what I try to do. I try to weaponize pace because if you set a pace in a fight and they just can't keep up, they're going to drown. And of course, fighters being fighters, you set a pace, they're going to try to keep up with that pace because they don't want to get ran over. But eventually, people who aren't used to keeping up such a high pace, such a high volume output, they, they wear down. They wear down fast. And when they wear down, it, it, <laughs> and then they see that you don't wear down. It it get, it starts to wear on them mentally. It becomes a whole big debacle for them. So um, that that's my whole ordeal. Is I try to weaponize pace, and I try to make you know putting on a, a pace my 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 strong suit. So this so is the year. I said this is the year I would think that, uh, you know, you're you're making you're looking to make a run here over the next over the next year. Uh, would you say it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of a now or never kind of situation where, you know, you've got your you've got the record up there. You, you fought tough guys. Uh, is, is it uh, kind of pedal the floor at this point, uh, you know, to to make that move to the to the big show here? Or are you still kind of uh, just kind of uh, letting things come as they may? No, nah, it's pedal to the floor. I mean, I'm I'm I'll be 34 
in July. Yeah, I wasn't trying to call you I'm, old. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't trying to call you old. But, but you, but you also but ain't twenty. But like I said, but I, mean, but I mean, let's be realistic about it. I'll be thirty-four in July, so I mean, that's not like old, but it's not young either. You know what I'm saying? So it's I'm at that pinnacle in my career to where I'm young enough to make a move, but if I'm gonna make a move, it's got to be now. Yeah, I don't have any more. Oh, I can take another two or three years and rebuild and do all that. Nah, it's got to be now. It's got to be now, and it is gonna be now. This is my year. This is my time. I like I'm. It's cliche, and people are like, yeah, I'm ready to die in there, and da da da. But I'm literally going to do everything in my power to win that fight because I got a lot riding on it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not. I don't. I don't plan on retiring if I lose this fight or anything crazy like that. But I mean, you're right at the door. The you're knocking right at the door right now. Right. Me taking the air right now is is about four steps back, and then me just winning this next fight is probably five steps forward. Sure. So I'm at that point right now. It is. It's. It's now or never. It's well, I tell you, I tell you what, man. Uh, that one fifty-five strap has uh, has catapulted one more than one guy uh, onto that to the next level. You know, we've uh, the, the it's uh, you know Luis Pena had that bad boy and uh, he got the call and uh, you know I think that well I know that both of you guys are on the radar uh, for the UFC or at the very least a contender series slot. I know that both you guys have, have had talks. Uh, with them, so uh, so I would imagine there are, there will be some eyes on this, and I'm really hopeful that the winner gets uh, gets that push, man, just to to, to go on to the next level and shine, and just more or less just get that opportunity to uh, to break through. Uh, talk a little bit about the training camp for, for this one, man. You're down there at X3 in Hotlanta with uh, you know Jared Gooden and Robert Hale and and some studs like that. Uh, how, how's the training been going for this? You, you guys got a full uh, full crew in there helping you get ready? Uh, yes and no. Um. It- the gym, you know how the gym life kind of fluctuates and guys kind of go and come and go in between fights so whatever have you. But I just, I'm thankful that I got my core guys that have been with me from day one. My brother, Robert, Robert, uh, you know, um, you, you know, Robert Hale, he's fought in the oh, yeah. many times before. Um, and that right there, that's my main training partner. That's my right hand and left hand, man. That's my little brother. That's brother from another mother. That's my training partner. He's my everything. You know what I'm saying? Robert is, he's been with me in the gym when nobody else has showed up. And it's just been us two. And that's like kind of our mantra. And we're like, bro, it's me and you against the world. As long as we got each other, then we're good. You know what I'm saying? So, and then my little brother, Walter, who's also making his uh, pro debut coming up in June. You know what I'm saying? He's been grinding hard and getting better. So he he also is the person who weaponizes pace. So I know if I can try to outpace Walter or at least keep up with his pace, then I know I'm, you know, above the rest. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, camp has been good, man. Not, nothing really changes for me because I train all the time anyway, regardless if I have a fight or if I don't. I'm in the gym every day regardless. So nothing really changes with camp versus being out of camp versus, I mean, I just cr- crank up a little bit of the training as far as the intensity. Um and I and I increase the mileage that I run, but besides that, everything else is the same. Everything else is it's cut and dry at this point, man. I mean, eighteen fights, you know, um, there's not too many more tricks we gonna learn or anything new. Everything now is just about fine tuning those skills that we already have and just making sure that those skills that we do already have are are are, are, are flawless. 
No, you're uh, you're a fireman down there. Uh, how does that? Uh, how is it balancing that that job with uh, your training schedule? Are they pretty good about it, or do you kind of have to you know train at odd times, or have you kind of got that balanced out? Man, it's perfect. I actually got this job to fight full time. Nice. <laughs> <Does> that <laughs> make that. Yeah, I got this job because of the schedule of this job. So we work a 24, 48 hour shift. So right now I'm on, I'm at work. I got at I got at work at seven o'clock this morning. And I get off at work tomorrow morning at seven o'clock. But I mean, from that 24 hours, it's not like it's a schedule structured of anything for us to do. Pretty much. It's a few things that I have to do in the morning or like or during lunch or something like that. Just as far as my position. But besides that, I always got a call. So besides that, um, I kind of can come and go as long as we, as you can hear, get a call. So it's, uh, sure. it's perfect. Cause the two days that I'm off of work, I have all the time to train. And then we have gyms and stuff. We have gyms and stuff, you know. Um, what was it? Pro call or do they call us? They call it one? Uh, oh, are you, are, are, are you getting a call now? <laughs> like, oh, man, we got live action. <laughs> but it's not for, uh, but it's not for my, my, uh, my apparatus. Okay, I got you. I got you. Well, hey, if anything, it keeps you on your toes. Uh, you're always alert, I guess, uh, in that in that line of work. Oh yeah, nah, for sure. <laughs> and props to yeah. you guys, man. You guys put your lives on the line. That's uh, y'all are doing scarier shit than uh, getting in the cage. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you've ever been inside of a uh, fully contained, fully involved house that's on fire, it's a uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a different experience, man. Make, make you be begging yeah. for the cage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you know, getting to a cage is nothing when you're in a house and uh, and all four walls are glowing at you. <laughs> so, and the feet are hot, but you got on all type of you know safety equipment. So it's it's enjoyable, man. I I like I said, I got this job to be able to fight, and it's translated well. They received me. Uh, fitness is a big thing in the fire department. So the fact that I'm I stay in shape because of fighting, and the fact that I just fight, they love. The fact that I'm a fighter, uh, I get a lot of support through the fire department. Um, a lot of guys are, matter of fact, a lot of guy, a couple of guys from the fire department have bought tickets already. And they're coming up, and the, uh, other guys who are on shift the, the day, they're all like, "Yeah, man, send me the link. I'm about to link." To the fight. I love it, so dude. I love it. That's, yeah. It's a good good support system down there, man. That's uh, that's definitely what you need to make it in uh, in this game. That's for sure is uh, having people that support you. Uh, you know, I know you've got a, a good family behind you too. Uh, that you know mm-hmm. that, that is supportive of your career, which is uh, you know definitely uh, you know uh, not everyone has that, and so you're you're fortunate that you do. And and with that, I want to let you get some love, man. Uh, if there's anybody out there that you want to uh, give a shout out to, any uh, you know friends, family, training partners sponsors anyone that uh deserves some love man i'm gonna let you let you uh, give it to them yeah shout out to my wife uh kendra williams because without her <laughs> you know i'd be figuring this thing out by myself she cooks my meals she meal preps for me she keeps me on my toes she's the one who if i have uh, a a shitty fight she's not gonna sugarcoat it she's gonna be like what the fuck was that what were you doing <laughs> in there you know <laughs> shout out to her keeping it real um, shout out to my to Shout out to my uh, my team, X3 Sports, you know, me. I always say we're the best gym on this side of Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> so shout out to shout out to X3 Sports. Shout out to some of my sponsors, 
uh, first round management, you know, one of the best management companies out there. Shout out to first round. Shout out to my boy, Daniel Levy, half the battle. Um, one of my, one of my biggest sponsors, guard and go custom mouth guards, a fighter for life, boxing gym, uh, prototype combat, uh, team, my boy Darwin out there in Arizona, keeping me looking fly. Um, man, he's never let me down for the past like three, four years. So shout out to those, shout out to those people, man. Um, without them, you know, I don't have a, a slew of just big time sponsorships, but the sponsors that I do have, man, they make everything, they make everything easier for me. And I appreciate them. And we're going to the cop because of that. Hey man. Shout out uh, to y'all. Shout out to you for giving me this opportunity. Once again, I uh, was supposed to fight for the Valor 45 belt. You know, we had that tournament and then Kilburn actually got called to the UFC so shout out to you for giving me the opportunity to come in and uh, put that put that strap around my waist again. I appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. You know, I always love work, uh, working with you guys when we can. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely the pleasure is mine. And I got to say, hey, I'm, I'm a fan of Daniel Levy and uh, half the battle. You got to have to talk him into breaking uh, breaking down this fight for us, man. That'd be uh, that'd be awesome yeah, man. to, uh, his, uh, to I, get his, uh, his breakdown. Give a up for us. Nice, nice. Yeah, definitely a fan, man. He's got good insights. Uh, whenever you're uh, looking to, to to bet on the fights, uh, so check him out at Half the Battle on YouTube. And uh, man, Nate, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, one week away, big fight, uh, main event at the Cotton Eye Joe, uh, taking on Demir Propagovich for Demir's uh, 155 pound professional championship. Uh, we we can't wait, Nate. Best of luck next week, and uh, we're looking forward to see you then. Yes, sir. See y'all then. It's gonna be exciting. I promise. You know, I never bring a boring fight, so. Here we go. All right. That will wrap up round number three. Uh, and uh, before we uh, move into round number four with some conversation topics, we'll uh, uh, just kind of re- recap these first three rounds. Of course, uh, you know, we talked to uh, in the first round, we talked to Tim Estreet getting ready to fight Dre Miley. Then we talked to uh, Robbie Ring ahead of his Valor debut. And then uh, Nate Williams just now ahead of that main event. Uh, I'll go around the horn real quick. Uh, reactions to uh, our interviews here. Uh, Justin, you'll uh, obviously can't get too in depth. You'll be uh, you'll be judging out there. But uh, impressions uh, with uh, with these uh, three guys we, we heard from. Yeah, man, it's always good to hear um, hear these guys talking to see, uh, you know, how professional they are and um, how serious they take all this. And uh, I'm excited to see some good fights. I think they're all all ready to bring it. Greg, you're going to be there uh, having a cold one with uh, yours truly, Cage side. Uh, this is a pretty good uh, fight card, if I do say so myself. Uh, your uh, impression on these guys? Uh, obviously, uh, Tim S. Truth getting ready to come off of that uh, win over Cole Farrell, and uh, he's coming in hot. You know, uh, when Dre Miley is going to try to steal that thunder, uh, and then of course, uh, you know that main event, Nasty Nate and Demir, it's going to be fire. Yeah, the one I'm more interested in, you know, and not just to say it's the main event, but that fight there, uh, both guys are well aware of what's uh, on the table and, you know, what, you know, could happen via the outcome of this fight. Uh, I mean, they're both, both of those guys are just knocking on the on the door and standing on the footsteps of that contender series call this fall. And it very well may, may happen for either one of them. So, uh, I think uh, by the time everything's done and it does time come time for the main event, I'm I'm gonna be uh, uh, very dialed in. Torres, you'll be on the call, uh, of course, uh, there at the commentary booth. Uh, these guys leave any impression on you? 
Um, yes, man, I'm excited. I'm really excited for uh, this card. Uh, obviously, in the main event with Demir and uh, Nate, uh, that's really going to be a, a smackdown of a fight. And uh, get an opportunity to see uh, Tim go against uh, Dre Miley. I mean, um, I, I mean, majority of the, the Southeast here uh, in the MMA world, uh, we all saw uh, Cole Farrell. You know, once we saw him fall, we was like, okay, man, this is exciting. You know, Tim came in on what? I think a six-day notice, whatever it was. Yeah. And, um, and came in and basically shocked the Southeast. So it'll be exciting to see Dre Miley. You know, Dre Miley just came off an exciting fight um, uh, just a month ago, two months ago. So it'll be real exciting to see him and uh, Tim get in there. So I'm excited for uh, uh, those two matchups big time. All right, guys, that brings us into round number four. And uh, we're going to get into some uh, some uh, hot topics, I guess, uh, as we go around the horn. Uh, first up, uh, Diego Sanchez, uh, the the soap opera with him and Josh Labia, his uh, guru uh, slash manager slash trainer. Um, they, they finally split. And, uh, you know, Josh Labia has uh, really kind of come out uh, with some some pretty outlandish uh, allegations. Um, uh, about about Diego Sanchez, uh, I think he said he was an addict and that he used him for years and that uh, maybe even uh, something uh, along the lines, I heard that the Nevada State Athletic Commission had uh, tried to uh, coerce uh, Diego into throwing a fight against Mike Chiesa. Uh, I'll send it around the horn here, guys. Did, is, uh, are, is there any merit to any of these allegations? Did uh, did Josh Labia single-handedly ruin Diego Sanchez's uh, twilight years in the UFC, uh, or is there uh, you know is he is he on the up and up, and is Diego the crazy one? Uh, we'll, we'll go around the horn here, Justin. And this whole thing has just been a shit show. And- you know, just to see somebody, just a leech like this, take advantage of somebody that's been around the sport. And, and I mean, Diego's a legend. He deserves to be in the UFC Hall of Fame. He's the last one of the, the Ultimate Fighter season one guys. Um, he's been in the UFC for, this would have been the 16th year, I guess. Um, you know, and then, I don't know, man. Some of the videos that I've seen with uh, his name... <laughs> I don't know if you were saying it to be funnier if you just didn't know, but his name's Fabia, but Labia is a lot funnier. Um, but it's a, it's just a shit show, man. I I'd say Diego probably does have some addiction issues. Um, it's you know it's obviously disgusting for this idiot to put that out there just to get himself a little bit of attention. Um, but you know why would the, the Nevada Athletic Commission want Diego to throw a fight? If it, I mean like. I understand if he would have said, I don't know, somebody like, but the, the, the athletic commission that has, they have no reason to want Diego to throw a fight. It's just fucking ridiculous. But uh, I'm glad that this is the last time we'll talk about this guy. And this will be the last interview that he does. I'm sure nobody will, will care after this. It's crazy that he's fucked Diego like this though, man. I mean, I think he'll still get in the UFC's hall of fame. I think it's a good, obviously a great decision that he, he made to leave him. Um, but it would it would be nice. I wouldn't mind seeing him come back and and have that farewell fight. Just you know, I just feel bad for him. He's just too fucking stupid to know. And the dude's been taking headshots for fucking fifteen years. There's no there's no telling what's going on in that guy's head. So um, I don't know. It's it's crazy that this was ever a story. BJ Penn and Diego Sanchez. Anyone that would be uh, that'd be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh Torres, your thoughts. Yeah, 
um, this has been wild all the way around. Um, I can't, I can't lie. Uh, you know, Diego Sanchez. I mean, you know, he was a more of a win loss guy back and forth late in his career, and um, no lie, man. I just, it, 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 I mean, managers do make a difference with certain fighters. I mean, this is a, a great case here. Um, you know, you would think like, okay, the fighter's the one doing the action in the ring, obviously. But uh, if you ain't, you don't have a really good manager behind you to uh, help along the way, it can detriment your uh, your fighting career big time. And obviously, I do believe Diego uh, had some issues, obviously, outside the cage. Probably was dealing with drugs. Probably was dealing with uh, different things like sexual abuse and, and losing all his money to unnecessary for unnecessary reasons. But I think Fabius, look, I mean, he's crazy himself. I mean, did we not see the video of him, like, having a knife, training with them and, like... <laughs> in practice like that's nuts and you know he's been told that like he could help sanchez give him a death choke fight michael uh michael chiesa and you know it was just all types of wild stuff i I agree with dana white this has been some wild stuff going on between these two but you know it's a good thing they probably split both of them saying they having death death threats towards each other i don't know who's who is true on that, but I think both of these guys are crazy, and I I think it was actually right for the UFC to let go of these guys. You don't want to deal with no situation where something is, um, you know, is within the company, hoping within the company that is also on the company. Um, I think the UFC made the right decision to let these guys go, and hopefully they find some help for both Fabian and uh, Sanchez. Greg Hopkins, uh, they, they told the State Athletic Commission of Nevada that they had developed a death strike and uh, I think that uh, from what I w- had heard, it, uh, they, they, were cons- uh, they were more or less uh, wanting them to demonstrate said death strike in the back, uh, more or less just uh, annoying more than anything, I believe. But uh, I don't uh, I have a hard time uh, believing that they would uh, try to coerce somebody into throwing a fight. Uh, your take. Um, if you're if you're talking about the death strike from the back and the chest of fight where he shoved his thumb up. Michael Chess's butthole while he had him in the uh, uh, arm. The arm, I don't know if you guys knew about that or anything like that, but you keep talking about that fight yeah. about how the athletic commission was getting him to throw the fight. It just raises questions like, was he trying to get disqualified in that fight? Like, I mean, I, there's a lot of crazy allegations going on. Like, and I might have just brought something up that y'all didn't know about. Okay, there's that. Go back to look at his, um, his damn interviews, man. When he did that Macho Man Randy Savage, like, you know, remake. You know, or with the cream of the crop, but he had that little cube or something, whatever it was, little rock, and it was just it, it was far out in left field. It obviously, um, <clears throat> wasn't something having to do with getting hit in the head. That was a that was a drug related behavior right there. So obviously, yeah, we know that he had a, a drug issue. Uh, with that being said, man, like uh, Ben's that he is a you know he's like he, I'm not saying he's like Tom Brady of MMA, but dude, he's been around a long time. If you can get in the UFC and remain in there you know, four to five years, then you've had, in my opinion, a successful career in MMA. And he's been here 16, and then all of a sudden he gets dropped like this. Yes, was it a good decision to drop him? Yeah, man, dude, the guy, guy needs to be uh, – he needs the brakes put on him because he's not slowing down for nothing, and uh, it's detrimental to his health. We're not even worried about his fighting career anymore. We're worried about him even living as a human being. His wife has, uh, you know, divorced him. Uh, he, he's, he's changed management, or he's not management, but he's, he's dropped management now. And, 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 and Tim, I love how he keeps calling him uh, uh, <clears throat> labia, because if you uh, go and do any kind of research on labia, you're not going to find um, uh, Fabia on there. 
But uh, with that being said, yeah, man, I'm glad he's uh, he's going to be out there. He does deserve in the UFC Hall of Fame. Um, I don't want to see a farewell fight for him. I don't want to see any more uh, Sanchez in the UFC, man, because the last time I seen him and really watched him and was interested, he was way too fat and out of shape, and he tried that flying knee that uh, Jorge did, and God damn it, that was when I was just like, man, all right, I- I'm over Sanchez seeing him, period, man. Uh, uh, thanks for everything, but yeah, man, you need to – move on to coaching somewhere doing something like that round number five it is the uh wrap up and reactions to ufc vegas 28 uh that was uh the card that went down this last saturday we've got an off week for the ufc this week so no no major mma going on this week but uh we saw rob font get a unanimous decision win over uh, cody garbrandt very dominant very very nice performance really just uh utilized his reach advantage uh masterfully if you will uh use the jab to, uh, to great effect and cody just couldn't seem to pull the trigger so uh you know also on that card uh we felicia spencer lost um we saw um uh, we saw uh, uh yon janan fall to carla esparza uh who uh you know is she ready for a title fight now you guys uh you know is rob Font a legit contender what What's next for him? Obviously, that 135 title is kind of tied up as we wait on Sterling and Yonder rematch, probably not before the fall. And then one would imagine Dillashaw Sanhagen's in the mix there. So uh, what what do you do with Rob Font next? Is Esparza the next uh, credible challenger for Rose? Does she have a chance to win that belt? Uh, she beat her once already. I don't know that she uh, is uh, could be counted out to to win the to win a, to win a rematch here uh, as good as she's been looking and uh, you know uh, any other uh, takes reactions from UFC uh, Vegas twenty eight uh, anybody let you down anybody impress you we'll go to uh, Torres to start. Um yes man um I really did uh, uh, like some things on this card uh, I will say Rob Font. Uh, Man, he looked really good. I mean, his boxing was on point big time. Um, I will say with uh, uh, Cody Garbrandt, I think, sadly, I mean, I think it's just the next best fight. After uh, Sean O'Malley fights this uh, whoever he fights on uh, June 12th. Uh, not June 12th, uh, July. Take it back. Smoker, fights I think. Louis Sm- Smoker. Yeah, Louis Smoker, yeah. I, if if um, O'Malley beats him. Next fight is easily, I think, Cody Garbrandt and O'Malley, and I think that's just a stepping point. I think they're going to use O'Malley as, okay, you're the guy for me to uh, – Cody Garbrandt would be like the stepping stone. That's the former world champion he would have beaten to basically propel himself on, or into the title picture. And um, I think Rob Fun, I mean, he looked good. I mean, if anything, I mean, hey, Rob Fun is easily in the title contention. I would say, you know, throw him on in there. You know, after the rematch between Jan and Sterling, I think he's the next man up. And, um, you know, overall, it's a really good card. Um, uh, Jack Hermanson, I will go to the middleweight. Um, man, I, that was a pretty clean fight uh, from Hermanson. Uh, Edmund Shabazi really got to work on that wrestling, man. Uh, his last two uh, matchups, uh, Bronson and Hermanson, they would just, just take him down at will. It was so funny. He said in his interview, he said, I hope people don't think the recipe to beating me is wrestling. And yet he loses that next fight. Wow. You know, not being able to wrestle. So Hermanson, a uh, really good win for him to get back on track after losing to Vettatori. Um, I think he's still in the uh, pitcher, tighter pitcher. He got to win like one or two more fights. But he'll be right there. So um, I'm excited. And hopefully Edmund Shabazi is able to uh, pick it back up and, you know, get back on the, on the right, on the right, uh, on the right uh, path. But uh, And also Carla Espar- uh, Esparraza, uh with her. 
I think that would be another good matchup between her and Rose. You know, Rose have these moments where she's mentally not there within some of her fights. She sometimes psych herself out. And you never know on that night, that could be the time when Carla could come in and actually beat her. I do see a rematch between her, uh, I mean, with uh, Rose and Wayne Lee. I don't, some people say it's not the right matchup right now, but I do think a, re- a rematch would be good in my opinion. I think I, I think I do see a rematch between those two. I just, you know, that shot, it was really good by Rose, that head kick, but I just think, you know, Wei Lee has much more to offer in a fight like that. I think a t- second fight, you'll actually see more of the actual battle between the two. But, um, um, yeah, I think Carl will be next in line. So, uh, excited. Real good card. Greg, uh, tough night at the uh, betting window. Yeah. Yeah, I did horrible. Uh, didn't even, I'll be honest, man, straight up. I didn't get to watch a lot of this. I saw the Jackson mansion, uh, win, uh, saw the Ricardo Ramos fight. Other than that, like I was in and out of service and, and not getting to watch any fights, uh, where I was at. I did, however, get to land in the evening and watch the Rob Font and Cody Garbert fight. And, uh, as far as Cody Garbrandt, I'll, that's what I'm going to touch on right there, man. Is, uh, do I think that Rob Fawn is, like, up for, you know, in the runs for title shot somewhere along those lines? Or, you know, I don't know. But the, the real question is, is Cody Garbrandt shot? And uh, we were talking uh, – I forget which one of you guys mentioned it about, uh, you know, the you know Sugar, he should be – somebody should fight, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sugar Show. Uh, but, oh, man, man, like, yeah. I think that – yeah, but where, where's Bo Vera at in this whole picture right here? Like, yeah, yeah, Marlon Vera, uh, another guy that's. Yeah, I just don't know if he's got that uh, that uh, that signature win still. I don't know if the win over O'Malley just carries enough credit still to, to jump right into the picture. I think he still needs a a, a signature win. Well, would Rob Font be some something of a? I mean, is that because I just think just because the name value that O'Malley has. You know, and the win he has over him. I mean, do we have do you have a mini rematch with that one? Like, you know, and then because I think there's a lot of unanswered questions at 135 pounds. So, I'm just well, you got to also remember, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, I can't think. It's Marlon Vera. He lost to uh, he lost to Jose Aldo. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. He sure did. Uh, I think that it, that would be a fight that would be uh, catapult. Uh, Vera more than Font, not a bad fight. I think it's exciting. Uh, in my opinion, I think they should do uh, Font versus the winner of Dillashaw Sanhagen, and that gives you a clear cut number one contender. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on UFC Vegas 28? Hell yeah. Um, the main event and co main event, um, uh, and the feature belt were all great. I think Rob Font, you know, I, I like Cody a lot. I think he's got, you know, excellent boxing, he's really fast, he hits hard, obviously. He has great wrestling. He just doesn't use it for whatever reason. Um, but Rob Font is at what they were going to do. We knew that they were going to stand up and trade. We knew Cody wasn't going to try to take him down. And Rob's got a six-inch reach advantage and knows how to use that reach extremely well. His jab was on point. He was landing fucking every jab that he threw. Like Cody was moving into them almost. And Cody has great head movement, but it wasn't there. And I think um, that was just Rob Font just, you know, was putting it on him so much. Cody was the smaller guy in there for sure. Um, I don't think Cody's done at all. I think, you know, the question was before this was kind of, is his chin gone um, after taking a few, you know, having a few knockouts, but he took a lot of big shots and he um, kept going. But ultimately I think Rob Fawn is just the real deal. You know, this put him at number three in the world and um, everybody is so booked up. I love the matchup that Tim proposed with the winner of Dillashaw and, um, Sandhagen, one that I think would be a really good test for him. 
Um, I don't think it will happen. This guy's lower down the rankings, but, um, oh, man. Uh, trains with um, Al Jermaine Sterling. Um, Little Do Russian. You know, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marab. I think Marab would be a crazy good, um, you know, test for him, you know, to see see where his wrestling's at. Rob's not going to stop. Um, or Marab's not going to stop. He's going to, you know, if that was a five-round fight, that would be wild. But um, anyway, yeah, it's just a crazy division. I think Cody could drop down to 25. He had talked about it before. Looking at him in that fight, it seemed to me that he was a lot smaller than Rob Font. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Esparza looked amazing. I think, you know, she, <laughs> that girl is crazy. You know, when she walks out there, she looks like she has the look of just absolute fear on her face. I feel like every time and I'm always like, damn, do I need to bet on her? I mean, like she's kind of scared me. She looks like she's freaking out and doesn't want to be there. And then she comes out, man, and just sticks right to the game plan, takes her down. Shot Yan Chanon's, you know, great striker, but we haven't really seen her um, tested on the ground. And that's as far as the world. She got her there and busted her wide open with some elbows. Um, I think the rematch is perfect for her next. I think you guys were talking about um, the Rose and Waylee rematch. I think you do uh, Esparza and Rose. And I think the co-main event, you do Waylee rematch with uh, Yoani and Jacek for number one contender type fight because those are the, the top four um, in the division right now. I think Suarez is coming back, but she's going to come back at 125. So um, I think those are your, your big players um, in that weight class. And um, those, you know, you were talking about um, Jack Hermanson. Dude, <laughs> that guy just has no quit in him. You know, in the first round, he was kind of getting pieced up uh, on the feet. And then the second round, he just came – you know, stuck to the game plan of take him down, hold him there, but pound him, you know, pound the shit out of him while he's there and, um, you know, made made him uncomfortable. And I think it was a great win for him, Shabazi. And, you know, the kid's 22 years old or something, and he's getting thrown to the wolves. He's taken a lot of damage in these past couple of fights because it's not the style matchup that he needs. It's kind of weird. I don't know. The UFC may, may be trying to match him this way just out of spite because of Ronda or something. I'm not sure, but... I don't know why Ronda, I guess she's his manager. I don't know why she is taking the matchups that she's taking. Obviously, you see a guy that's ranked or, or whatever, and you want to do that. But, again, Shabazian has a very small number of fights, uh, and he came in, and he's fighting the top-level guys right away. You need to get him in there and get some things polished up, uh, put him in with some lower-level wrestlers, you know, don't not Jack Hermanson and Derek Brunson. Um, so I think they're handling that kid totally wrong, but – uh, it was a great win uh, for Hermanson, um, but altogether, you know, top-heavy card. Obviously, the main card was uh, pretty fun to watch. Uh, I don't even know. I probably only caught a couple. Bruno Silva had a nasty knockout. That was probably the other one that I was impressed with. Bruno Silva on the come up right now. He's uh he he's been looking good, man. I'm I'm I've been uh, cashing with him, so it's been good. Uh, moving on, round number six it had two retirements on that card. Uh, both Paul Felder and Alan Jobon, uh, both uh, retired. Uh, you guys, uh, w- were you surprised by either of these? And uh, your thoughts on the way it was kind of presented? It's, it was a little different, I thought, than uh, than most. I personally was a little surprised that Felder retired. Thought maybe he would do one more fight. I would like to have seen uh, him and uh, 
and uh, Tony Ferguson, both guys that are kind of in the twilights of their career and, uh, you know, would have been a good win to send somebody off. But uh, that is not going to be the case, at least uh, for now. You never, never say never. Uh, Tor, or I'm sorry, Greg, uh, lead us off here. Uh, thoughts on retirement of these two, uh, Alan, uh, Joe Ban, and Paul Felder. I, I can't argue with the choice on retirement because, you know, I mean, I guess a, a fighter knows when he's done, he's done, he's done, and he's wanting to go out on top. Felder is uh, – I, I, I don't uh I don't know man it was kind of odd the way they did do it just like in the middle of a, a you know intermission right there it's like hey you know by the way since we have three minutes we're gonna go ahead and put this man's career out there and uh, tell him thanks for what he's done and then uh, and that's it I was I, I mean and then but however with that being said uh, you know usually the way people go out is they'll they'll fight and they'll put their gloves down in another ring and they'll retire and they get the proper send off but he didn't get to even do that or nothing so uh, I still think we might see Felder again and jordan who was it else that uh that they had retired and they didn't you know it's 17 and 7 um what? al jovan yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i mean like i mean uh, i mean i don't know again just uh you know i i mean there, don't don't other don't many retire a lot and we don't never hear about it you know not all the time do we get to hear about the ufc fighters but i don't know i just thought it was odd how they presented it I and mean, i thought that they could have went a different way about it let him do it some other way on his own social media or something i, was, I don't know i didn't like it that's all uh justin uh your thoughts here i, I tell you um if anything it speaks to the uh the level of job security potentially for alan joban because uh they kind of did it up for, for for a guy that i mean no no knock on joban he's an exciting fighter but not a whole lot of uh, years right yeah yeah, he's been there a long time. Uh, not a guy, though, that, uh, you know, is a household name. Uh, they did a lot more for him than uh, that they, than they've done for other guys with uh, bigger accolades. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the Joe Ban one, I think that was a good idea for him to retire. I think so. I think part of the reason Felder obviously got that that kind of push because he's in the commentary booth. I think they only mentioned I think I'd already heard about Joe Ban retiring, but. Felder was out of nowhere, um, and I think they they just kind of maybe gave Joe Ban a little bit of shine because they did it for Felder. But the reason they did it is because he's a big part of the commentary team now. Now that he's retired, he's going to become a bigger part of the commentary team working with them. Um, if you guys remember, he did retire already in the cage, kind of when he fought Dan Hooker um, in in New Zealand or Australia or wherever they were at. Uh, he said, "This is probably the last time you guys are going to see me." He got offered the RDA fight, kind of on you know, last minute, but he had already kind of decided that he didn't want to fight anymore, but he thought maybe the RDA fight would get him up and get him uh, back in the mood to fight. And he did the fight and he still just didn't have it in him. And now, you know, he's ranked in the top 10 and these guys are, these, these monsters are coming at him, trying to fight him, constantly calling him out and stuff. And um, so I think, you know, I think ultimately he just felt bad about holding up that spot, knowing he doesn't have the desire to fight anymore. He's not going to be able to get a title that's what he's here for. Um, but it's tough, man, for me. You know, I know you know you remember Tim years ago and Craig went up to um, Pennsylvania or, or wherever they were at uh, and fought him. And he, he hit Craig with that spinning back kick. And that was kind of what got him into the UFC, you know. And so I've been watching him, following him since then and been a big fan. And um, definitely somebody who is a fan favorite. I mean, everybody, you know. Most outside, you know, you don't even have to be a hardcore fan to know who Paul Felder is. Um, you know, if he, if he goes in there, he's going to he's going to fight. And 
I think it was cool the way that they did it. I wish that he would have gotten a send-off fight with another legend. I, I hate the way that they try to, you know, build off of these guys. Uh, so, you know, if what if, if Paul Felder was going to fight Makachev next, you know, and then just, just to build Makachev's name. But if Felder could have fought, you know, Felder and Cowboy would have been fucking crazy. Those guys trained together. They, I, I'm sure they would have fought. Um you know, I think send-off fights like that are great. Felder's coming off of a loss anyway, so it's not like he's leaving on top. Joe Ban is coming off of a win, so that one makes makes more sense there. But um, I hated to see Paul Felder go, but I, I like the way that they gave uh, Felder the, the treatment that they did. And I think, you know, as a bigger part of it was getting him more exposure to the broader audience, um, people who are newer to the sport maybe watching on ESPN plus and um, giving them a look back at his career because they're going to hear his voice for years to come. I believe Torres wrap us up here on round six. Yeah. Um, I ain't got really much to say. I'm uh, really, uh, uh, it was really interesting to see Paul Felder fight. You know, I thought he did have like, you know, probably like one more, one or two more left in him. Um, but he made the right decision. Uh, but overall, um, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, you know, I've been, I've watched him away for a long time, but you know, I really did not know much about Alan Joban. So uh when they said he retired, I was like, ooh, interesting. You know, I had to look him up a little bit. But uh, you know, probably he probably was on the hot seat to being released anyway. Probably said, okay, might as well retire. He well, he is 38. Um, but yeah, Paul Felder, uh, phenomenal athlete, really enjoyed watching him throughout his career. Really tough fighter. What he was like, what he never he was never knocked down, I believe. Or was it? I believe it was one of those things. He like never had happened to him in his career, but he's a phenomenal fighter and um, it was exciting to watch uh, him fight. So, yeah, interesting. Round seven, and uh, <clears throat> we've kind of already dived into a lot of what I had planned for round seven. That was, uh, w- you know, what's next for uh, some of the winners uh, at this last UFC show? Uh, mainly was going to kind of talk about Rob Font uh, and Carlos Barza, but we all really kind of already touched on that. So uh, I'm just going to go to the third part of this. And uh, one of the uh, female featherweight uh, bouts on this card uh, was uh, Felicia Spencer uh, taking on Norma Dumont. I thought uh, Spencer was, it was like too good to be true. Like her, her line was like 160 and I'm like, man, that seems like, you know, Felicia Spencer just went all the rounds of Cyborg and Dumont got finished by Megan Anderson. And so, yeah, surely Felicia Spencer beats her. But no, she, you know, her fight IQ wasn't very good in this fight. She didn't really start to grapple till too late. Uh, my, 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 the question here for round seven, I guess we'll say is what is to come of the UFC's featherweight division? Uh, I don't, think i mean you know felicia spencer was the most recent challenger and you know even though she went the rounds it wasn't very competitive um you know i don't think that norma dumont with this win is by any means ready to challenge against amanda nunez uh do you scrap the division do you bring in completely new talent that i don't really know who it would be uh what do you do at 145 i don't i don't see a path to the top for any viable challengers at this point uh is it a train of thought that maybe these ladies would just be better off applying their trade for bellator or pfl uh we'll start off with justin yeah so I guess Norma Dumont's not even really a 45 or she wants to fight at 35. She just took this fight because it was there, but she, her next fight won't be at 45. Um, 
and I think that on the website, uh, I think Amanda Nunez is the only person listed at 45. I don't think – I heard somewhere that Megan Anderson got cut. I don't know. I didn't read that anywhere, but I heard somebody say yeah, that. But yeah, she, she did. She did? That's crazy. So, yeah, so if, at this point, they really don't have a division. So unless you're going to buy up, you know – I don't, there's there's nothing they can do. There's no way to bring over. There's not girls anywhere else that are going to be able to fill that slot. Um, it may be just best just to let the division go for a while. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm all about, you know, more fights, the better. So having another division is great. But um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them just try to invest a lot of money, maybe put 45 pounds, you know, just go find the best, you know, heavier girls in the world and do an ultimate fighter with them or something uh try to build that that weight class right now nobody is going to be able to touch amanda nunez and before they're able to she's probably going to retire but um so i think you either start building a new weight class now or you know just kind of kill it because when amanda's done there's not going to be anybody else there obviously you know there's i don't know uh it just doesn't seem doesn't seem like a viable weight class to me, to be honest. Torres, if you're making the calls, what do you do with this uh, division? Exactly what Justin just said. Scrap it. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Um, you know that there, there's like certain like certain things in fighting that you look at, and being honest, you wouldn't you wouldn't go heavier. You wouldn't make another weight class like at 155 and be no use. So. I mean, what woman at 145 could beat her in the world right now on this planet? I don't see nobody beating her. Um, I remember people was talking about, you know, a cyborg rematch when she was in UFC. But even then, I was like, ugh, I don't know. Nobody was beating Amanda Nunes at featherweight. So I think I really don't see nobody beating her at bantamweight, to be honest. I think the only challenge for Amanda Nunes in the, in the right is uh, Valentina. And, and, be, and being all honest, it's just that Amanda Nunes is that much above her competition. Like, there's nobody else on her level. So, and the featherweight, like you say, Miggy Anderson got star- cut, and what, she got starched in like two minutes. So, you look at a division and you be like, man, well, you might as well let it go. Amanda Nunes was the king of the women, well, the queen of the women's featherweight division, and be done with it. I, I just, I see nothing that you can do. And I understand, you know, I like the idea where Justin talked about the uh, ultimate fighter bringing a, uh, a a bunch of 145s from all around, but what can you do? You know, I've seen a lot of things talking about uh, Harrison from PFL, you know, could she come in and fight Amanda Nunes, you know, off the back, you know, give her one UFC fight, see how she do, and then the next fight automatically, basically do what they did with Chandler, um, with Harrison, see what she could do against Amanda Nunes at featherweight, but even if she were to win, who would there be left? <laughs> you know, so... I just think you should scrap the division. Might as well have the fight at Bantamweight and um, just keep it at that. Greg, you think these uh, other featherweights would be better suited uh, applying their trade at PFL and Bellator at this point? I don't even actually remember what the original question was, but we're going with the division right now. I don't think that we scrap the division because I don't think that's fair to Amanda Nunez because – She's in her prime. She's the best. She's the best in the world. I don't think it's fair to close the division just because the competition is just not up to par. Um, I don't think that they would never. I don't, they almost did it at 125 for the men, but uh, they still have it. But I don't think that you should scrap a women's 145 division. What I think they need to do is uh, add 
a whole lot more divisions for women because like Justin just said, Hey, um, not trying to be funny here, but Justin, how heavy are you talking on like a, talking a women's heavyweight division or what are you talking no, about? I mean, I, I just meant, you know, you find everybody that 55 and under put a ton of money in, in it. Kayla Harrison's at 55 right now, but she could get to 45. Um, but that, I just meant 55 and under, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't put another weight class above 45. I'm just saying, if you're going to keep 45, go out and find every woman possible that could make 45 and just not, not trying to debate or argue your number. Why not have a 155 division for women? Why not? Why not let a Nunez, uh, Nunez possibly be a, you know, a triple crown, you know, a real triple crown uh, champion in the USC, because I think, I don't know if there's anybody can touch her at 155, but I mean, you start bringing in these bigger women from around. I mean, like, you never know. You never know what can happen. And I think that it'd be, it would be fair to the women's division because you see in these girls pass that on the scales and stuff because they're trying to cut to a certain weight size because there's not too tremendously horribly – there's not a lot of women fighters in the UFC. And I think it would be fair to women to add another weight class in there. The UFC's got the money. They can do it. I mean, I don't, I don't know why they don't. If I was going to watch that, I'd want to see it in some, you know, in an Invicta or something. There, the Invicta has prob- probably has bigger weight classes, but there's just no talent there anywhere. Exactly. If there was, they would they would be fighting there. Well, then, well as, as someone that has, as someone that that has scoped the galaxy for all sizes of professional women, I can tell you that the number of like top level. Uh, 155 pound women uh, out there in the country. Now there may be some overseas. Uh, you could count them on two hands. There's, they're just, they're just not out there. Uh, so I, I think it'd just be an issue of like you create a division that is pretty much sorted out uh, immediately, and then you're right back to kind of where you are, even worse uh, than at 45, in that there's just no competition uh, to groom and to and to bring up uh, as viable challengers. Uh, all right. That brings us on to our uh, our final round, guys. Round eight. We've come to the end. And it's a quick uh, little regional roundup, if you will. Some of the things that uh, have uh, that we've got coming up uh, here in the southeast region. Uh, some news and notes. Of course, Valor 83 going down next Friday night. And that is a big card, in my opinion, probably our, our best pro card of the year. Uh, big main event, as we've already talked about, Demir Fratvagovich defends that strap, uh, the 155-pound professional strap against Nasty Nate Williams from down in Atlanta with X3. That's going to be fire. The winner of that, I really expect it to open some doors. Uh, also, in the co-main event, Nick Gertz, quick turnaround. Now he's going to be taking on, uh, in my opinion, probably one of the toughest fights of his career uh, in the Joker, Peter Petty's, all the way down from Lloyd Irvin's uh, group uh, up in Maryland. And uh, this is your consummate striker versus grappler fight guys this is uh, another fight that i expect the winner of this to uh possibly open some doors uh tim estruth versus dre miley as well on that card we got uh, christina roadhouse uh, ricker adcock taking on uh, alexander balu bellator vet uh and a whole lot more i mean there's uh it's it's a stacked up card uh with we'll go over it all next week of course uh, primal combat coming up uh the next week, that's uh, June the 12th, uh, you know, Brandon McGee will be in the main event there defending uh, his 145-pound uh, strap on that card against Joel Winters. And then we've also got a 155 title fight. Carter Beatman takes on Tim Carraway. That's the top two fights on that card. Uh, Tyler Edwards always puts on a good show out there in Lebanon. So we'll talk a little bit about, the, about that in the coming weeks. Um, also, uh, made official to 
today uh, we've already been talking about it, of course, but now it's on a poster. Torres Finney, our, our very own here, will defend his 205 uh, title in the main event of uh, July 2nd uh, versus TK Mattress. And uh, a really, really solid main event fight there. We'll be announcing more fights to come um, on that July 2nd card, but it's starting to shape up. Um, <clears throat> also, the uh, Valor Underground card beginning to uh, take uh, shape as well. That's July the 10th in Nashville. Uh, the first Underground card out there, uh, main event, is signed now, and that is a C4 Charlie Alexander taking on Logan Real Deal Neal, and that's a fight that everybody's excited for as well. And uh, one uh, little added bonus I see here, if anyone's keeping score, uh, we've got Chad Finnerty booked yet again uh, for a professional title against uh, Timothy Blevins, of all people, uh, down in Alabama, uh, not with the AFC, actually. Looks like he pulled out on the AFC uh, title fight to take this title fight, which, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm having a hard time uh, with this one, but uh, yeah, Tim Blevins, of course, making his pro debut. Finnerty already beat him fairly quickly as an amateur, um, but, uh, you know, a professional uh, champion shall be crowned uh, in in that fight. Uh, we'll go around the horn. Just uh, overall thoughts on the upcoming uh, regional roundup uh, here in the southeast. Uh, we'll uh, kick it off with Torres. Um, yes, I'm really excited for next week's car. Really excited to be on the call for that. Um, like I said, I've already said, excited for the main event, excited for a few of the future fights, um, and a few amateur fights on that card as well. Um, also, um, I know uh, um, uh, the Prime will come back card, you know, now, uh, teammate uh, Carter Beekman, you know, coming over from uh, Blayox um, Fighting Academy, um, you know, we're seeing him get a chance at a title. 155 title. I'm excited for him. Excited to see him get ready to uh, fight and uh, try to come out on top of that. And um, also, uh, I'm really excited for my matchup uh, against TK. Um, really excited for this. Um, it's going to be a really good fight. Um, I just, I'm excited for what I have a chance to uh, display. Uh, the more I fight, the more you'll get to see everything I've been training. And uh, a lot of people are going to see a lot more from me on July 2nd. And uh, I'm going to prove to everyone why I am the champion. And why I am the holder of this 205 title and, will, and why I will still be with me till I turn pro. And um, I'm excited uh, for a lot of things that are going on within Valor. That's a lot of the things that are going on here in the Southeast. And, uh, you know, I saw the things on uh, Affinity and Blevins and, uh, you know, <laughs> don't know much about all of that stuff. But, uh, you know, I hope Chad... Uh, you know, he, he finds his way, you know, through the MMA world and um, Blevins turning pro, you know, don't have a win yet. You know, it does bring up red flags, but, you know, there's a lot of things they got going on. So, you know, that's why we I hope I really uphold Valor to a high pedestal. So I think we got to keep it keep it that way. So it's understandable. Greg Hopkins, uh, your take. You said about five or six different things. I'm excited for uh, Nick Gertz's fight against the Joker there, man. Uh, that's going to be an intense matchup. I have I have absolutely no doubt that it has the Nate Williams and um, and uh, Demir fight, you know, implications. You know, it's uh, for a long time, uh, you know, the Joker's been fighting on every damn promotion there is. He's been everywhere. He's, been, he's a former contender series fighter, He's and he's going to step up there. And uh, Gertz is uh, – a little bit uh, uh, pissed off that he hasn't made it to the next level yet. And I think, I mean, you know, you, you got to find 
there's a fight out there for both of these guys. And if this isn't the one, I mean, how, how do you get the damn call? You know, how do you get the call? Uh, winner of that, I believe, happened, you know, and then we got, and then we got a whole, the whole card next weekend, uh, talking about Torres. I can't lay it out any, uh, any better than Torres did. He'll be in still. And with that being said, um, if, uh, you know, I'm, with Chad being, you know, pulling, a pulling out of a title fight to go another, I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I really don't. I can't judge somebody, uh, for anything. I don't know what's going on, but uh, if you're following anybody on social media with that whole shindig, then you can uh, kind of know what's going on. With that being said, if uh, you know Shad Finnerty is, I think he's three and zero now as pro. Eventually, you know, sometime you're going to have to fight these guys that aren't zero and zero, or zero and one, or zero and five. You'll you'll eventually have to fight somebody, especially if you're going to get a pro title, because after you get that title and you beat Blevins, you know. You you have you have targets everywhere unless you're unless you're going to retire after this I highly doubt you do that because you're looking at some and is this fight at middleweight he's fighting or is it a lot light heavyweight I think it's two oh five yes okay, a light so, heavyweight title so there you go right there Torres I mean if you're interested in a fight you can turn pro and challenge Chad Finnerty for his two oh five title after he wins it and that's the kind of that's kind of uh you know implications you got on winning a professional title when you win that title there's no more there's no more fun and easy fights after you're a champion of a promotion guess what you are uh, the champion and you want and I can assure you there'll be a lot of people wanting to fight Chad Finnerty after that fight uh, I can't agree with fighting somebody for a title who has never fought a professional fight um but like Torres said we hold uh, ourselves to a higher standard and uh you know where we let our belts go and when we decide to put them up against anybody for anybody uh with that being said uh you know i'm i'm pulling for chad to win that title so uh good luck to him and but you know is it a well-deserved shot at a title i don't know i don't think it is i think that chad needs to uh don't go through with a few fights and stop pulling out of a few fights for injuries and then booking next fights you know a month a month later you know that's that's all I got to say about it. And uh, until until that happens, you know, I mean, I have no bad blood with Chad. I still don't uh, wish him wish him ill, but I think he needs to understand that this is a very 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 serious game, and uh, a lot of people have paid price for uh, you know doing things like this and getting the belt, and then going and trying to take on a tougher center con- competition and getting exposed in a really bad way and injure yourself. So uh, good luck to him, and I hope he wins. Uh, and uh, Torres, if you if you're looking for a fight, there's one right there. When you decide to go pro, I don't know what your decisions are after you uh, uh, put TK to sleep on that mattress he's got there. <laughs> and I think you touched on everything, Greg, except for early take on uh, C4 Logan. Oh yeah, absolutely. You you already know, man. Logan's my boy, man. Logan's my boy, and I mean, uh, you know, C4. You know, we had our our our, our uh, you know our past grimace, our uh, you know our words exchanged in the past, and. Uh, and time's gone by now, and I've seen Charlie uh, at Valley the other day. You know, he was commentating, and uh, still don't like him, son of a bitch. Uh, I hope Logan beats the ever-living shit out of him. Uh, <laughs> I'll be, you know, I can't help it that I won't be able to train with Logan for this fight, and it hurts me. Uh, it really does. I really am, like, upset that I can't be in there working with Finney for his for his next title fight. I can't be in there working for Logan for the underground. Like, I wanted to get that ring. You know, we're, I want to find somebody that can tell Logan and be an amateur fight on that Valor card in the underground. I want to bring you know somebody up there like you know like a kenny you know i want to bring a, you know a kenneth Irvin up there and let him showcase what something he's got or somebody like that on our on our list or casey you know anybody you know but we got another i believe q's on there i think q uh we booked q on there today 
Uh, hell yeah, that's good. Let's, 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 let's let little Q Sims uh, show off. But then, you know, you also got the Chattanooga car coming up in August, too. So there's just so, so much coming on. And like Finney said, in the south in the southeastern region right now, this shit's popping because all these people are coming down from the north because they're not doing anything up in the north. They're not doing anything out in the west. Like UFC, take notice, man. Like, come to Nashville. You know, rent something out in Knoxville. You got Atlanta, you know. There's like take notice. Let's go. Bring it over here. This is where this is where the, where the money's at right now. They need to get get on it. Justin here. Watson, final take of the night. Justin, man, I have to think that the the Chad Finnerty promotion has to be a, a one and done. Maybe this is their second show, but I, I don't. It's not a sustainable business model. Obviously, you you know. Um, I don't know, man. It's a fucking joke. I can't believe that anybody would book him, book Chad right now, coming off of you know pulling out twice like that, and and the way that he did it both times, he pulled out, and it was like I didn't even know he pulled off the AFC card. I just saw that this was coming up, and um, you know, and then to be awarded with a title fight, obviously, this and it's in out. I mean, like this is a small network of people, you know, so either they. I have no idea who owns this group. I'm assuming that it's just some random fucking rednecks that want to try to make a quick buck at a, at a fairgrounds or something. And that, that will probably be the last that you see of it. Um, I saw Chad trying to call out, um, Blevins not long ago on, on social media and like Blevins pulled out of his last fucking fight. So who knows, you know, who knows if either one of these guys between the last, between the two of them, they pulled out of the last three fights. Um, you know, obviously Blevins is uh, nowhere near the level um, to to go pro, but neither is Chad. If we're being honest, um, you know, I don't know. This is fucking crazy to me. It blows my mind. I don't. Re- I, I'm kind of embarrassed that we're even talking about it. What else do we have to talk about? Let's see here. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for the next next week's card. It's gonna be great, man. Uh, you know, I love being at Cotton Eye Joe's, seeing the crowd. Um, you know, the main event is obviously going to be insane. Um, both those guys are are monsters and, and you know, somebody's, somebody's walking away with a title and probably a bigger opportunity um, down the road because of it. Uh, co-main event, no title, I don't guess, on the line, but um, same thing, huge implications for both guys. Um, you know, I, I don't know um, the other guy very much. I've seen Nick, you know, for... 10 years or something uh, since before he, he was even 18, he was, you know, competing in kickboxing and stuff. So I know that he's been around for a long time. He's put, put the work in and um, he, he definitely believes he needs, he's ready to go to the next level. And that's what he's looking to do um, with a win. If, if he can pull it off here. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Torres and TK, man. Uh, I guess this guy's running his mouth. I don't know. I don't really know him, but um, I want to see somebody knock Torres out. That'd be fucking great. Uh, let's see, Primal Combat. I'm just kidding, buddy. Oh, 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 don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, Primal Primal Combat. Uh, I haven't seen um, any of those fights yet, but I'm sure it's going to be crazy. I know uh, he's working hard down there trying to get um, a good show, Tyler is, and um, I expect big things from them in the future. Uh, And I can't wait to fucking go to Nashville, man. I'm ready to... uh, to see what this whole underground is about. 
All right, folks, that's eight rounds for you. And uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Valor Hour. We appreciate you all uh, hanging in there with us and uh, chatting with our earlier guests. Uh, shout out uh, to Nasty Nate Williams, Robbie Ring, and also Tim Estruth uh, as they get ready to uh, put on a show for the fans next weekend at Valor 83. Thanks so much to our panelists. Of course, my co-host, Justin Watson, Torres Finney, Greg Hopkins, uh, and uh, I'm your host, Tim Lloyd. We're signing off for another edition of the Valor Hour. We'll see you all next week for picks and predictions for Valor 83. This week on Crush Performance, episode three of the Crush Brain Game, Sleep and Your Brain. Sleep is one of the most powerful influencers on your brain function and health. You may think you're resting, but when you sleep, your brain is in a hyper mode, repairing itself, clearing toxins and waste, building memories, and reinforcing learning by getting rid of all the garbage you've accumulated over the day and locking in the important stuff. This week, we visit with crush favorite Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance to discuss sleep science, the keys to getting good sleep, the impact of broken sleep, and the influence of sleep on your brain. It's the Crush Brain Game on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.